right, folks, welcome back. I know it's been a little while. We were on a little bit of a hiatus. We know we said we were coming out with an episode Tuesday, but you're just going to have to wait for it. This will be released on Thursday, so we appreciate you uh, being patient with us. We got the Rally Caps on podcast here. We've got a lot to talk about. A lot has happened since we last uh, last logged on here. So we're going to go through a bunch of things. This one might this episode might even be like a little pause in between segments. We'll probably give you a little cue. Just say, hey, pause it here if you want to make this two episodes necessarily. And then we'll uh, we'll just keep it rolling. We got a ton to talk about. Aaron Otto, Trevor Williams, Colton Wong, Dustin Pedroia, LeBron and Courtside Karen. We've got we've got like 10 different stories we got to talk about. We got Patrick Reed. We need to talk about him. We had some interesting Super Bowl news coming out. We've got a huge slate here. We're going to get caught up, and then next weekend, or not next weekend, well, obviously this weekend is Super Bowl Sunday. So on Friday's episode is going to be the Super Bowl special episode. We're going to give, uh, we're going to do a cool little competition between each other and just be strictly Super Bowl for the next episode. So we know you're going to, uh, going to want to hear that, hear what we got for it. So let's get started with the MLB, and then we'll work our way down. All right, first things first, the biggest piece to move so far this free free agency we've got nolan arenado uh we actually said this would be a good landing spot for him a couple weeks back and turns out we were right this is a great trade for the cardinals and they've really bolstered their bolstered their lineup now um i I really love what they look like as far as just their their star power and they have a good mix of experience and young talent I'm, what are your thoughts on this trade? Who, who do you think? I mean, obviously, I think we know, both know that the Cardinals won it, but how does this work out for both teams? Yeah, I mean, for the Rockies, it uh, it's bleak, man. The future is bleak. The, that fan base has really supported the team uh, through some years where they weren't too good. You know, they had back-to-back wild card appearances two years ago, but now uh, Arenado moves on. They're, they're, you know, they're sending about 50 million to the Cardinals from take that, uh, take that contract and they get some, some prospects in return, but nothing of note there. And then the next, the next big piece is uh, Trevor story and what's going to go, what's going to happen with him. I mean, you, you could theoretically see the Rockies just enter full rebuild and move, move Trevor story, but from the Cardinals perspective, right? If you're a Cardinals fan, you have to be stoked about this move. You've now got corner infield of Paul Goldschmidt, Nolan Arenado. Arenado's MVP argu- candidates. Exactly. Arenado's arguably um, the best defensive third baseman in Major League Baseball. That's going to travel with him. The big question about this is two qu- my, the two big questions here that are going to make or break this. How does he age, right? So he's I think Arenado is coming into his age 31 season. So how long will he be able to sustain peak production? Personally, I think he's a good candidate to maintain a pretty high level of production. Yeah, um, not, not really a speed guy or anything. So And there's and there's precedent for that at third base. If you look, I was doing some research, uh, Scott Rowland and then, oh man, I'm blanking on the other name. Another uh, premier third base defender. But if you look at Rowland, basically, he actually even got better defensively from his like age 33 to 36 seasons. So... I like that. And then the real question is, is he going to be able to maintain what's the offensive production going to look like away from Coors Field? Uh, looking at his splits throughout his career, he's been, obviously, he's been much better um, at home. But I was reading an inter- interesting piece that had to take uh, 
that he would he'd benefit from not having that major fluctuation, right? So as a as a Rockies player, uh, it's hard to go on the road because there's it's just such a different half yeah. your games are in a totally different environment. Now playing for the Cardinals, it's just going to be more standard. So I think you'll see a step back in his production, but I still expect him to produce at an All Star level. I think the defense maintains it. Uh, and man, if you're a Cardinals fan, yeah, this is exciting. And I think this is good for baseball again, because the Cardinals are one of those teams. St. Louis is maybe the epitome of a baseball city. So I'm excited to see them potentially gearing up for a big season. For sure. Yeah. That's why they're my like preseason pick to win that division anyways, just because they're just all around a baseball team and they they've figured out the formula, man. They know, they know what mix of guys to bring in, whether it's young vets, um, former bench warmers, former all-stars, it, they, no matter who they bring in always seems to buy into their formula and seems to buy into the culture. So I really like that. I think, uh, I think we're going to see them playing, playing deep into the season and the NL is the NL is loaded right now with teams. Uh, you've got all the way from Atlanta, New York Mets to St. Louis, LA and San Diego all have legitimate chances to win this thing. So it's, it's pretty cool. And there's probably going to be a team that we're not even naming that we're expecting that's going to rise up as well. So I really like this move for them. It's uh, it's definitely going to, going to get them to where they need to go. And now they've, now they've got a legitimate shot at winning this thing. So, and I liked what you mentioned about the Rockies and also like they, they, all these guys have been developed on the Rockies, whether it's Story or Arenado or pretty much every one of their like stud players has come up through their system. And that obviously they're going to be too sticking. Low. Yep. Too low. I mean, yeah. All of them. Helton too, right? Helton was. And then uh, I believe Charlie Blackman as yep. well. So yeah, they're just, I mean, cargo was traded for early, but came up through their system. So yeah. yeah. Yeah, so that that's what they're going to stick with. They're going to try to just get some more some more guys and and rebuild. But yeah, they're they're probably going to be in the cellar here this upcoming season. But yeah, I mean they're, they're still always always see a fun uh, fun team to watch, especially like those late night games when you know you're like falling in and out of sleep, but there's still a Rockies game on at like eleven o'clock at night, and they're just hitting bombs like from the seventh to ninth inning. There's like twelve runs scored, so. They're always good for entertainment like that. So they'll still stay relevant in that sense. So yeah, uh, I know we just go ahead. No, I was just going to say, so, I mean, I think that brings up a good point too. Like for a team like the Rockies, you're seeing this year, uh, this off season baseball, kind of similar to what we've seen happen in the NBA over the past five to seven years, kind of a consolidation of power, right? So you're seeing a lot of the stars end up in right now, LA, San Diego, St. Louis, uh, obviously both the Mets and the Yankees, right? You're kind of seeing this concentration of power, which I think for me personally, as someone who doesn't follow, we're here in Phoenix. Uh, I'm not a D-backs fan. I, I mean, I casually follow them, but it's not, I don't have a rooting interest in them. So I'm more of a fan of like the national game. So I'm excited for that. Cause I think it's, I think it's good to have these kind of super teams. I think it's just, it's fun to watch, man. Like it's fun to watch a really good team. That's something I enjoy, but the potential downside is for baseball, a, a sport that that really is a is a regional game. That's what people don't get about baseball when they understand baseball is not competing with football. Football is a national game. Baseball is regional. So within their own home market, a team like the Rockies that's done that's done really well, are they going to be? Are they still going to be relevant 
in that market? Or, you know, are you going to sacrifice the local markets for increased national play? And how does that interaction work? I, I mean, I don't know. What, what do you think, Tyler? Like, is this, is this good for baseball? If we see a continued trend of players moving to a few like premier organizations, basically. Yeah. I mean, yes and no, you're going to lose a lot of the, the casual fans, you know, the people who are like just in it to watch their own team, but at the, like the, the real baseball fans are going to want to, they appreciate the good talent and the good baseball that they're going to be watching, whether it's the Dodgers versus Padres, even if you're living in Tampa Bay or something, you know, I don't, yeah. just the first one that came to my mind, but a, a lot do you of think people, that could, do you think that could actually attract more casual fans though? If there's for the, for the casual fan that let's say follows baseball, but isn't watching games day in and day out. For example, when the Dodgers play the Padres this year, because I think it has a chance to lure some of those guys in. Like, I know I'm going to – I don't watch Padre games normally, but, I mean, I'm going to make sure I'm watching those games for sure. Yeah, and also, like, the Braves-Mets series is going to be a great a great yep. series going yep. at it. So, those are going to be – yeah, they're going to be primetime games that you're going to want to sit down and watch at night. And, yeah, it, it's going to, in that sense, I think what would really make it go, like – crazy again and give it the craze that it had in like the early thousands like late 90s would be some kind of like person who's like going for records you know uh whether yeah. it's pitching or hitting right preferably hitting you know i mean because you the, the most entertaining thing is to watch a guy hit a ball 500 feet yeah, but, they're playing every day exactly so that that always like usually brings in the most fans that are the casual watchers but I mean, I, I feel like we can all appreciate some incredible baseball and especially as anyone who's played it knows how good these guys really are. So I, it's a, that's a tough question, but overall, I think, yes, you're going to see uh, a lot more, a lot more marketing spent and uh, fan, new, new fans coming in to watch the sport. So th that's good. And they need all the help they can get right now. So yeah. Their next, their next conquest is social media and being able to figure out how to get people involved on social media. They, I feel like we can, uh, we can definitely help them with some pointers if they ever need them. For sure. And, and just last note on that for, for major league baseball, this is your chance to go full all in um, NBA, right? So like if you, people complain about this in the NBA here in Phoenix, people were mad that the Suns had like, they haven't had like any nationally televised games but that's a smart move. The, the NBA league knows, the league office knows they need to put the Warriors, the Lakers, the Celtics, and then whatever other teams are good that year, the, 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 those teams need to be the ones on. I mean, those games need to be shown. And honestly, if you know, I don't think anyone outside of Milwaukee is going to cry if the Brewers don't get national games this year. That, right. But as many of those Dodgers, um, Padres, Yankees, Mets, like they, they, they really need to make sure that those games are – are out there and that they're advertising them too, that they're marketing these stars that they have. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I think it's a, I see it as a big opportunity for baseball. So I'm excited about that. Definitely. All right. So let's, let's move on to, we had a debate about this. I think what was it last like Saturday night? I just had, I called you with a random thought and I was just like, all right. So we know that like, there's a lot of young talent. That's like awesome. As far as pitch, let's, we're just talking pitchers here like the young talent versus signing vets and being able to kind of bolster your roster with guys with experience. Uh, we were doing kind of like a, would you rather? And I thought a good, a good one to be like, so if you're a team that just makes the playoffs and you didn't make it last year and 
ultimately my question is, do you, would you rather have a big young arm who has all the stuff and is in like the prime of his career and absolutely throwing smoke and has the nastiest stuff, but no experience, or would you rather have like a John Lester type guy? Well, for the comparison's sake, we'll go Nate Pearson, who we mentioned earlier. I had no idea who he was, but I looked him up, and he's a very, very good prospect. Got some nasty stuff. Or versus John Lester, who's the seasoned vet. He's pitched in – I mean, I feel like I've watched him pitch in a dozen playoff games in the last five years. Yeah. And yeah. Is, is it for one game or for the whole season? For Just entering into playoffs. So – you're starting. You just made playoffs. Who 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 would you rather have? Who are you gonna throw out there? Let's say you, it comes down to a game seven, and each one of them is started, and they're both ready to go. Who are you going with? Man, that's that's a tough question for sure. Uh, okay, one more one more caveat. Uh, are they? So you're saying to start game seven of a playoff series? Yep. We'll go with the divisional series just to make it so it's not like World Series everything on the line but to advance to the next round game seven you've got you've got both guys you got Pearson and John Lester healthy ready to go three days rest who are you going with yeah I, I so in that scenario I gotta go Lester I I just think I so I'm looking at Lester's stats right he's been pretty bad the past the past two years he had a 516 ERA last year uh only start you know started 12 games and he had a 446 uh, the year before that, Go, going back to 2018 was his last good year. 3-3-2 ERA, 18-6, he made an all-star game. But I do think, I personally do think that playoff experience is one of those things that uh, I feel like it, a lot of people say that it's overrated, but I, I personally don't think that it's overrated. Uh, and for someone like Nate Pearson, who's never pitched, you know, in, in like a meaningful game at the at the professional level, I would just worry – Obviously, he's the better pitcher. I think at this at this point in his career, but in high stakes pressure, uh, I'd go, I'd go Lester. How how about you, T. Willie? I think I'm gonna I'm gonna zig while you're zagging. I would go with Pearson, um, especially if if their stats are I, like if if we're saying the young guy has like he's coming off his his better number year. I would I'd probably stick with the with the nerd answer and go with the statistics over the experience. So I w- I would say. I'm going with a young guy who's a little bit more fresh. He can recover a little faster. He might be he might be a little bit more ready to go for this one. Yeah, no, I mean it's it's a it's an interesting question for sure. I I, uh, I don't know. I guess for me, I just I'm always worried that you don't know how. And I, I was having this debate. Uh, T, I was talking about this with uh, Kenny, our our friend Kenny Hatcher, who's a big big time baseball guy and kind of my go to resource for for baseball questions, but. The stats, so, so there's a lot of stats that a lot of uh, like analytics don't really believe in. You can't really isolate someone being clutch, they say, right? So like it's pretty much just your performance. And the thing, the thing that makes there have big variability in the playoffs is it's a small sample size. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of the point Kenny was making to me, but I gave him this. So I do believe that there's like a clutch factor and I know that maybe we can't isolate it, but I think the fact that there's a small sample size actually makes it even more evident because if it was a large. Form John Lester in, in that case, but um, 
Right. So in a large sample size, I think you obviously take the, you always take the better, more talented player, right? Cause that in a, in a big, in a big data set, that's going to, that's going to show up. But in a small sample size, I like, I actually think that, that, that to me makes what we might define as a clutch player, even more, there's more variability, right. In a small sample size. So things like experience or confidence in that situation, uh, just being comfortable in it, right? You're going to get comfortable over the course of a season, but you may only be able to make one, two, maybe three playoff starts in a series. So I think that lends itself more towards the clutch factor. That's why I lean towards Lester, but I get I get where you're going with Pearson. This is a total hypothetical, T. Willie, but um, playoff series, okay? It's the bottom of the eighth inning. You guys are you're down one run. You have second and third, uh, two outs. Who do you want? Who do you feel like there's a difference or who, who would you rather have at the plate? Alex Rodriguez, David Ortiz. Uh, Ortiz all day. What, what makes you say that? Uh, I just like the first thing I thought of was Ortiz having a clutch hit in any single moment I've ever watched him. Um, so yeah, you pretty much swung me, swung me back around there. Well, and I, and I don't know that Lester is comparable, but to me, that was the perfect, that's the perfect analogy because A-Rod definitely, a-Rod definitely was a better hitter. As great as Big Poppy was, A-Rod was a better hitter throughout his career. I don't think there's anyone that would argue that. But I would say the same thing that you would say. I would much, much rather have David Ortiz just because I've watched him come through so many times in oh, those yeah, situations. Just repeatedly. Yeah, and that's where I, I really think we can't let our – the eye test is still valuable. Like, nobody loves numbers more than I do, and I think we can learn from those. But just like we shouldn't ignore the numbers, we shouldn't ignore the eye test, right? And if you – if for us, we grew up watching – a-Rod and Big Poppy in the playoffs. I watched Alex Rodriguez hit ninth for the Yankees in the postseason. Like yeah. after after damn near winning the MVP. So like yes. you, you can't you you cannot tell me that 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 there's no like clutch factor or whatever it is. Like different people perform differently in in those moments. So yeah, that, I really like that question. That's a that's an interesting hypothetical for sure. I think I think for me, I'm gonna lean towards the uh, the big game experience there though for the for, for sure. the war game scenario. Yep. All right. I like it. Um, so I do want to mention Trevor Williams just signed a one-year deal with the Cubbies. I know the Cubbies are kind of like in the downward trend as well. They have, they've kind of, um, they're losing a couple of their core guys, but uh, I was mentioning, I've been kind of beating this Trevor Williams drum for a while. Cause I, I know him personally, but he's also an innings eater. He's a competitor and he's been pitching really well for a bad team. And, he's hasn't really been pitching with a lead for like the majority of his career. And if he's on an above average team, I think that he becomes much more valuable and at just as a, like, he's just a bulldog on the mound. So I actually like this. I was saying that like a, a playoff team needs a guy like this to fill that four or five spot, but I think he's going to fit in perfectly with the Cubs as well. I, uh, I definitely think we're going to see some good improvement from for, for this situation going from Pittsburgh to Chicago. What do you got on it? Yeah, I mean, I like the I like the move for the Cubs. They're kind of uh, they're seemingly taking a step back this next year, and they've got some big decisions to make. I think obviously everyone's waiting to see what happens with Chris Bryant and whether they're going to move on from him. But yeah, I mean, Williams is a, is a solid major league pitcher. He's got he's got experience, and like you said, he's a guy who can take the ball every five days. Which um, I mean, there's there's not a lot of guys that that can do that consistently and give you consistent performance. So I like it for the Cubs. I would have liked to have seen him go to a team that was maybe more what I view as in position to, to make a deep run here, but 
good signing for the Cubbies. For sure. And this is also breaking news. We got Colton Wong just signed with the Brewers, yep. uh, which is another good pickup for them. That I mean, it's not going to really like make you like swing the pendulum very far as far as winning more games, but it's another good corner piece that it, it makes your lineup much better for sure. Uh, so let's mention some other free agents that are still available. I was going through the list today, and there's quite a bit of guys that are still out there that were like starters on their last team or have been like 30 home run guys at some point. We've got Jake Arietta, Trevor Bauer, obviously the, the number one guy. We got Jackie Bradley, Ryan Braun, Yoannis Cespedes, Sinsu Chu, CJ Crone. Uh, we've got Nelly Cruz is still available. He hit like 300 last year with like 20 bombs. And I think, not to cut you off, but I think Nelly Cruz, I think I read that he may have a deal in place to go back to Minnesota. Well, guess I was wrong there. Yep. Yeah. All right. We'll cut that part out. Okay. We've got. Well, I don't even know. I mean, I think I think so. I I don't, I don't think you're like wrong necessarily. Oh, I know it's all good. Um, oh, really? Damn. Okay. Guess I'm not getting all my updates from ESPN. Thank you guys. All right. Uh, we've got Doolittle, the reliever, Sean Doolittle, right? Yep. Yep. Sean Doolittle, Edwin Encarnacion, Michael Franco, Brett Gardner. Is he still? He's still out there, right? As far as I know. Yeah. I mean, I get the MLB, again, this goes back to like their marketing and being able to keep people up on the news. Like I just pulled their list of free agents and a couple of these guys are already like not on there. I wish they would keep this shit up to date. That'd be, that'd be, <laughs> I'd appreciate that guys. Like that's, we're trying to make a podcast here. You know what I mean? Lock it in. <laughs> exactly. And w- there's a couple other guys we want to mention. Ozuna, Jock Peterson, uh, Kevin Pillar and Justin Turner, just to name a few guys, but uh, there's still a bunch of dudes who are you're able to like throw into your lineup and, and make it substantially better. So, yeah, there, I there's I think the obviously Trevor Bauer stands out at the top of that, right? Like he's the whoever can get him. A name that sticks out to me too, Willie, and I don't know what your thoughts on that are. If I'm a if I'm a uh, a team that's looking to make a playoff push and maybe in need of some thump in the lineup. I love the idea of signing Edwin Encarnacion to a one-year deal. Um, sure. He, I mean, he's like arguably, honestly, he's one of the most underrated baseball players of all time. I think if you look at his, if you look at his numbers and what he's put up. So, so last year with the White Sox, um, played in 44 games, he hit a buck 57, uh, OPS plus of 70. So he was he was absolutely terrible last year. No, that's but underrated. He, well, but two years ago, so 2019 <laughs> with the Yankees, he had a 122 OPS plus um, in 44 games there. And and then in, he split time with Seattle as well um, and put up, oh man, if I could scroll here, looking at it, 137 OPS plus. So basically put up a 130 OPS plus in 2019, which if you guys aren't familiar with that, um, 100 is kind of league average. So, I mean, 130 is, is elite level production there so i i don't know i just i i think he's a guy again this goes back to our last debate he has a ton of experience he's a veteran presence he's a guy that you can you can put around your young guys and he they can probably learn from great guy to pick his brain um for a team that might be looking for to take a flyer on a on a big right-handed bat i i mean i i love a one-year deal for encarnacion for sure he always looks like a guy that's having a lot of fun when he plays too and there's something to be said for that as well. If I were a manager, I would take a lot of that into consideration. Like, how is this dude 
with everyone else and does he does he mesh well with the guys like that, that that's a big deal i mean there's there's certain guys you think of right off the top of your head that you're like all right that guy for sure doesn't want anyone talking to him and he's just a total recluse and then there's other guys on on good teams where you're like i feel like some of the reason why they win is because they're enjoying like playing with each other and like that that locker room camaraderie actually means something Absolutely. And that's where I think the stats guys totally miss out on it, especially in a sport like baseball yeah. where you're there. I mean, imagine like you can't just watch the stat cast and get, get everything you need from it. For sure. They're, they're human beings. And I, for, for anybody who would argue with that, the fact that like chemistry has a huge impact, um, especially in baseball, do this little thought process, take your job, right? So maybe you work for most people, you're working a five day work week. Imagine now that you work seven days a week, no days off, except one day a month you're off. Now picture that coworker that you hate or just gets on your nerves and all that. And imagine you get no break from him. You get one day away from him or her in a whole month. And yeah. you pretty quickly could see how something like that, because that's what it is in baseball. They have one off day a month and you're there, you're traveling with them. You're doing all this stuff. Like I, I, I really think that's something that gets, that gets very underrated. Um, yeah. Those, the, the, the clubhouse presence and those guys that actually want to have fun, and, and be around each other. I think that's huge. I think that's why you see all the time. You see this every year. Like we'll see what team it is this year, but there's going to be a team that's underperforming. And then in like June, there's going to be some articles like what's wrong the, with this team? Why yeah, are they, did they sell it all? Yeah. And I think a lot of it comes down to the chemistry issues, right? It's miserable, especially in baseball. If you, if you have a bunch of bad apples in the, you know, on, on the team. So definitely. All right. This is something we definitely need to talk about. We got Dustin Pedroia. I'm going to let you run through a lot of the stats. I'll just throw out the the important ones. 299 career batting average, three World Series. And for over a decade, he was the heart and soul of Boston baseball and was kind of their, uh, like, the poster child for, like, the the Boston, not not just the fan base, for just the the heart of sports themselves. So, overall, he just had an incredible career. I think this is a cool story too. We actually got to practice with him uh, when we were both at Chandler Gilbert Community College. Uh, shout out Coach Luce, probably listening. What's up, Coach? Uh, but we do want to want to mention that we like we actually got to see this guy play, and he was an incredible example to me because we would we would be watching him, and he wasn't any more impressive than like there was probably five to ten guys on on our team that could hit the ball harder and farther than him in then this is junior college let's say but he had the mentality that he could literally do whatever he wanted and that had nothing to do with his skill level and his his, his self-confidence played a massive role in his success and it, obviously his work ethic like he was coming and practicing with a bunch of like juco shitheads and working on his craft and also just being an all around good dude coming and doing that. Cause that's an experience that obviously you and I are not going to ever forget. Like that we were literally taking ground balls with Dustin Pedroia one day. And it, that, that to me, that's a perfect like just show of why he was so good and why he played way better than what his like skill or talent level level will ever show anybody. Well, all right, let's let, hit us with some numbers if, if you got that. And what, what was your what was your thoughts on Pedro? No, definitely. Well, I want to follow up on what you said. The the story that I what I always tell people what I remember the most about it. And and this is cool for those of you guys listening, because basically uh, Pedro is a local guy like he, he would come out. He would do all his baseball work 
at our practices all off season. So we got to see this guy, you know, five, six days a week for an extended period of time, which number one, the thing that stood out to me, how much that guy truly was a baseball rat. Everyone says they love baseball and like love the grind and all that stuff. But you could just tell this guy, if it was showing up to a division two Juco program to the yard, you like, so a bunch of shitheads, like you could, you could tell he loved that. So that was, that was really cool to see. The second thing, just what you said about watching him take batting practice. I literally for two years watched Dustin Pedroia be unable to hit a home run out of our junior college baseball field Yeah, in batting practice. And at the same time, and I think he was still doing this when you were there, was Ethier coming out to in the, in the off season when you were there, T. Willie? Yeah. Yeah. So I always tell people that that's the biggest thing for me. So Andre Ethier, watching him hit, watching him take batting practice was like, I mean, there was no doubt that this dude was like a big leaguer. Like the ball was just coming off his bat totally differently. Yeah, it was like it was like Captain America versus like a regular dude who was like trying to hit balls out. And it it wasn't even close to how how much stronger and more athletic he was. Yeah. So watching those guys take batting practice together and then seeing obviously both tremendous, tremendous big leaguers, but seeing what Pedroia could accomplish when like, I mean, honestly, and this is not I, I don't I mean, this is a positive thing. You would have thought Pedroia was a junior college baseball player watching him take batting practice next to Andre Ether. And you would have thought Andre Ether was Barry Bonds. That I mean, that's how big the disparity was between those guys. Um, so I so I always felt like like just like you said, that was a testament to Pedroia and just how much of a of, of a gamer he was really. Now, um in regards to Dustin Pedroia, I think this is gonna be a really, really interesting case study question debate. Uh, and I'm going to ask you a bunch of questions T. Willie. So you just go, you go with your gut on all these. Cause I think you're going to have similar, similar responses to what I was thinking. So I get to play baseball writer for this question. You get to play baseball writer for this question. Fuck Absolutely. Yeah. yeah so baby. first question, Dustin Pedroia hall of fame. Yes or no. Yes. Okay. Second question, better career. Dustin Pedroia, Ian Kinsler. Ooh, Kinsler had a bunch of like, really really good seasons mixed in there um just for the three world series and being a major role pedroia so do you feel like like it seems like you were taking some time to think through that one do you think it's do you think it's close between pedroia and kinsler or not or not really you think it's clear-cut pedroia i think it's close because i so you were so you were more spot on than i was because initially I kind of thought that this would be Pedroia all the way. Um, I don't know why I seem to dislike Ian Kinsler, I guess, but I looked up their I looked up their stats, and it's kind of a it's honestly kind of weird how close Dustin Pedroia and Ian Kinsler's stats are to each other. So, hmm. quick numbers, quick numbers for the nerds out there. So, Dustin Pedroia career WAR fifty one point six, Ian Kinsler fifty five point two. Whoa! Um, right. So right away, they're, they're super quick there. They both broke into the league in 2006, so they both pretty much exactly mirrored each other there. They both were four-time All-Stars. Okay, so Kinsler and Pedro okay. are both four-time All-Stars there. Um, and then if I'm looking at career stats here, uh, OPS plus for Kinsler, 107 for Pedroia, 113 for their career. Okay. Uh, defensive war. Pedroia was at 15 for his career. Kinsler was at 16. So 
it's kind of eerie, honestly, just how, just how close a lot of these, and th- there's a bunch more there too, um, to go at, but I, I was really surprised with like how they, they honestly were super, super similar. So yeah. with, with that being said, Ian Kinsler hall of fame, yes or no. Um, based off of reading that, I would say yes, but like gut feeling, I feel like he's, I don't even know if they'll like consider him very strongly to be in the hall of fame. Right. Yeah. I don't, I mean, I, if I'm a baseball writer and I'm just going off of like what I remember, I don't have any memorable moments of Ian Kinsler, to be honest. Yeah. Um, he would it's, obviously just torch baseballs, but, and he had a couple 40 home run seasons. I want to say at least one. Uh, I, I know he, had, he hit 31 homers in 2009. He hit 32 homers in 2011. And then he hit uh, 28 in 2016. Dang. That's it, man. I thought he was a 40, 40 guy for some reason or close to 40, 40 one year, but. He went, he went 30, 30 in 2009. He had 30, 31 homers, 31 swipes. And then okay. in 2011, he went 32 homers, 30 swipes. Wow. Yeah. Those are two solid seasons in a row, but For sure. yeah, I, I don't have any memorable moments. And when you think of Pedroia, you think of him like diving up the middle to save a massive run in a late game, like in, in October or getting a clutch base hit when they needed him or like, smoking a ball off the wall on a dude throwing a hundred mile an hour. Like uh, there's just multiple ones that I could think of. Uh, so like just based off of moments alone, I feel like Pedroia is going to carry a lot more water as far as hall of fame talks go. And it's, it's interesting, right? Because I think this, this question really gets to the crux of how we evaluate players uh, nowadays, right? Because sure. I think Nowadays there's a tendency to just look at the blind resume and really like, I would say personally, the between the two, if we just just from a statistical standpoint, I would say the difference is probably negligible. I don't I don't really think you give either one of them an advantage. Um, obviously, Kinzer with the 30-30 seasons, those are good. He won two gold gloves. Pedroia won four. Uh, but again, those aren't the gold gloves. I guess I'm I'm not really sticking to my own line here because those aren't like stats based necessarily. If you go from their defensive war, like they're they're virtually worth. They're virtually the same defensively. So the point I'm making is for me, I think it's important when we when we look at a player, I think you need to consider a bunch of different things. And I think this is where, you know, not that I think I have the right way to evaluate players, but I think it's helpful to think about things in three. For me, it's three aspects. So you have your number one is just their raw numbers. Like what did they accomplish from a statistical standpoint? And with that, what was like the longevity of the career? Because you hear people all the time say, oh, well, they're just, you know, they just played for a long time. Yeah. Playing, playing professional sports for a long time is very really, hard. It's really freaking hard to do. And we should <laughs> celebrate those guys that do it. Like that's not a bad thing. If the dude hung around for 20 years, that's a really good thing. Yeah. So, if you can, if you can find your way into a lineup, like right? the later in your career, good on you. Like that's, that shouldn't be a knock at all. Absolutely. So you've got like this, you've got the stats and then the counting stats with that first. Then I also think you have their, uh, I think you have their basically their awards like baseball reference has a has a thing they call the called the black ink. Right. So if you remember being little and you look at the baseball card, the ones that are in bold, bold, black ink are league leaders or, uh, you know, notable. The, yeah, exactly. Le- league leaders or it's italicized. So I think it's important to see where where guys stacked up to their peers, like how often were they at the top of the charts? And then with this, to me, I throw in there all-star games, gold gloves, MVPs, things like that are accolades basically. 
And then the third thing is what I can other category. And this is to me, what that person, what that player meant to the team on like an emotional level, what their track record was like in big situations. If this was a guy who was considered to be a winner or someone who, you know, kind of had amazing postseason runs or number three, and this is the big thing, just what exactly what you said to Willie, someone that had moments, someone that had memories, someone that had a meaning and a connection. I think there's a rush to throw that away. And I don't think you should, like, I don't think that Dustin Pedroia and Ian Kinsler are the same player, even though they are almost statistically the same. Yeah. If you said player one and player two, I would have been super like, I, I would have had no idea which one was Pedroia or the vice versa. Yeah, absolutely. So digging a little bit further, and I know I know I'm ranting on the on the baseball nerd stuff, but I, I think this is interesting, and maybe some of you guys will too. If we look at Hall of Fame second baseman, okay, so the average Hall of Fame second baseman has a career war of about 65. Okay, so both these guys, Pedroia at 51 and Kinsler at 55, are gonna fall well below the average, the average. Okay, so the average is I'm looking at it right now, 60, 67, it looks like, for a second baseman. Let me wow. fact check that. Sorry, 69.5 is the Ooh. is the average, the average war for the second baseman that are in the Hall of Fame. But so on initial, on initial, when I was researching this, I was like, oh man, these guys aren't really even in the ballpark. But when I dug into it a little bit further, when we look at the all-time leaders in war for second base, in order, Rogers Hornsby, Eddie Collins, Naplahoy. 127, 123, 107. Then we got Joe Morgan. Then we go Charlie Gehringer at 83. Then we go Rod Carew at 81. So that's the top six. So four out of those top six and and the top three are pretty much pre-World War II players. So again, no disrespect to those guys, but I don't really think you can, I, I just don't think that's really relevant. I think you kind of have to throw, I think you have to throw those numbers out essentially. Like, I, I don't think it's fair to con- compare Dustin Pedroia to Rogers Hornsby for- no. For a variety of reasons so if we take if we're throwing those three guys out that means that joe morgan is the all-time career leader in war at 100 nobody else is in the 90s you've got two guys in the 80s three guys in the 70s a few guys in the 60s here one two three four five six seven eight and then we're right into the 50s where they're at so even though I guess the point I'm making with this is I, I do think these guys should get very serious Hall of Fame consideration, even though just looking at their war, there might be a tendency to rule them out because it seems even more so at second base than other positions. You have a lot. It's dominated by pre-World War II guys who, I mean, the yeah, game who was so different. never you played on TV. For sure. For sure. It's hard to it's hard to compare those guys. So. Wow, that was a long rant. I don't know if anyone found that interesting at all, but I did. <laughs> yeah. All right, so we'll we'll, uh, we'll cap it there. If you guys want to pause this, take a breather, um, do that now. Uh, wait for the next day so you can get three consecutive days of, of just rally capping it. But if you want to keep pursuing it with us, we will be right back here. So... Now we're talking Patrick Reed. We're going a little golf action here. Uh, th- this is going to be the main debate. It, whether whether or not he was cheating, again, because obviously it was last year he got penalized two strokes for improving his lie in a bunker and not really, like, mentioning it and he had to get, it, like, written in, basically, and acted like, like, oh, my bad. Like, 
the other camera angles would probably say that I wasn't doing it. You're like, dude, if there's one camera angle showing that you did it, like you were freaking doing it, dude. Uh, that so, so the way he just kind of like tries to like skirt a lot of the rules and do this shit is it, it's infuriating for the guys that are definitely playing by the rules and trying to win. But let's let's go into what happened this past weekend. So they're playing at Tory Pines after a long week of like rain and like pretty bad weather. So it's very wet. They had the pick and place um, rule in effect. So if basically what that means is if ball, if a ball was embedded into the ground, like if it was stuck and you couldn't like hit it out of there cleanly, you were allowed to pull the ball out and then re like replace it on the ground and be able to hit from there. So he is on number 10. That was this Friday or Saturday, Saturday, Saturday. So day before day before the final round, he's on number 10. He's, I think he's tied at the moment or maybe up one, but he he's in the bunker hitting his second shot and he yanks it left again and bounces off the cart path and it goes into some like thick grass like four or five inches deep and what he does is he walks up to his ball and you can see he sees it clearly grabs the ball places it in a better spot and then realizes like oh shit i should probably call like an official over here since i just picked up my ball and moved it and calls the official over and basically explains to him like, Hey, this was embedded. Um, and I just dropped it right here. And then the guy was like, Oh, okay. Uh, sure. Like, I guess that's what we're going to go with. <laughs> and then he, Whatever, Pat. yeah. And so he finishes the, the round tied, but typically that's a two stroke penalty, right. For, for moving the ball like that. Yeah, I mean, so here's the deal, right? The, all the golf people, I've had it explained to me from a few. I've watched all this stuff. Technically, what he did was within the rules of golf. So he didn't he didn't break any rules. But if you were watching this, like this dude's a freaking dirty cheater, man. Like he's a he's a he's a scumbag, right? He goes over there just like you said, T. Willie. He he grabs the ball, he palms the ball, and is holding it like he's not holding it up and away, like. Because he wasn't in the fairway, so he doesn't have lift, clean, replace. I mean, unless unless it's it's plugged. He can't just pick and clean it. So he, <clears throat> he picks his ball up, and then he's not holding it where you can see it. So he may have been cleaning his ball. We don't we don't know. Like, it's just sketchy, right? It's 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 a sketchy move. Then he, then he moves it. He just sets it down, like sets it down in a perfect lie, which, yeah. I, I mean, I don't know. I'm, I don't know. I don't know that much about golf, but that that's just like what we like, do when we're golfing. Not really. That, when you're playing does that not just seem bucks. sketchy, right? Yeah. That you like, uh, you come up to me and I'm like, oh, T. Well, I was in a really bad lie, but I just trust me, it was. And I yeah. think that, so. Here's the thing about here's the thing about Patrick Reed. I think the reason that everyone hates Patrick Reed so much is he is your freaking friend that just cheats his ass off every time you golf with him, and you're yeah. like, dude. There's four of us playing. There's eight of us playing and we're all playing by the rules. Like we're just trying to compete, right? Like I don't want to beat you because I cheated. And then there's that one buddy that is just freaking foot wedge. He's got the ball in his pocket. When no one's looking, he's grabbing it and throwing it out of the bunker. And yes. And you're just like, everybody in the group is just like, dude, you're such a, you're such a freaking asshole, man. And that's what, to me, that's what Patrick Reed represents. And it's just, it's maddening and it's infuriating and, this this whole thing this weekend was so so here what about this t willie i i thought this was funny so 
and and I was talking with I was talking with Zach the other day yesterday, and he was explaining to me that there wasn't any like rule violations here, which which I get after hearing all the the explanations. But what about this? In his post game, in his post round interview, he said, you know, obviously it's he said in his words, it's virtually impossible for a ball to plug if it bounces. That was his words, not mine. The ball and the ball didn't even. You, you'd said it hit off the car path. I went back and watched it. It didn't even hit off the car path. It bounced in the grass. So it bounced like, dude, it only bounced like maybe 18 inches off the ground. So, so here's my question for you. Like, here's, here's my thing. If he just said that it's virtually impossible for it to plug, if it bounces, obviously he didn't know that it bounced. He said it was embedded. There was a lip created, but then we see video and it did bounce. Didn't he just incriminate himself that like, Yo, he definitely pushed that ball down to make it embedded. He just said that it couldn't embed if it bounced, and then we saw it bounce. Right, right. And I if mean, you're gonna do it, dude, just go all the way and just step on it, like act like you <laughs> don't see it, and like dig your heel into it a little bit, you know, like just completely. Like, if you're gonna do it, go all the way, man. Like, if he, yeah, he he was definitely hemming and hawing, and to to his own credit, I think they asked him like. It's, it felt like to me when they were interviewing him, they asked him the same question about six times in a row, trying to see yeah. if he would like change his answer or change his response. And obviously he, he was rehearsing that probably for the rest of the round, like fi- figuring out cheater. Yes. For the rest of the round, he was like rehearsing what he's going to say, how he's going <laughs> to say it, make sure you just hammer down the details and like, don't, don't say anything too, too bad, but he definitely messed up there saying if it bounces that, it can't get embedded almost. And you're like, okay. I mean, we're like, so, so you're so telling me that? that you push that ball down basically is what you're saying. Right. So and you know what I thought was funny too. Did you hear when he called the rules official over, did you hear him just freaking used car salesman being like, yeah, no, I just, I wanted you to take a look at it to make sure like, like acting like he was trying to act like he was freaking choir boy, like doing the right thing. Did you, did you pick up on that? Like, yeah. Uh, he's like oh yeah i thought so but i wanted i wanted to make sure i want to make sure you know like yes for sure throwing in the extra insurance policy when you're like dude no i i I told you no earlier but he's like no like you're definitely gonna need this you know it's only an extra fifteen hundred dollars like this is this is not at all how i make all my money when i'm selling you used cars but you're gonna need this you're this is the biggest thing like you cannot not have this so so here's my next question for you t willie so this happens on Saturday. I texted you. I think I tweeted out like karma's coming for him. No yeah, shot I, he wins this tournament. I bet I bet the five guys that were beneath him in scores to win the round the, to win on Sunday. So I was fading him hard. So then he comes out on Sunday and just kicks ass and wins yes. by like five or six strokes. So do you respect him? Do you respect him more or less for the fact that he was able to just come out on Sunday and dominate after being in the middle of like just a firestorm of media frenzy. I think that's mad respect to be honest. Like that, that's really hard to do knowing that like, if you suck today, then you're almost guilty. Even if you're not guilty, if you like go out and lose the round, cause then everyone would be like, see, that's exactly what happens when you cheat. Like yada, yada, yada. Like if we would have flipped the narrative and said he lost and Tony Finau or someone came back and won that thing or Rory, He would have been the ultimate choke artist, cheater, scammer, all the above. And that would have been like that, that to me, that's a massive, massive, like, pr- like 
biggest balls in a pressure situation, especially because you got to do it for four straight hours and grind your way out. And he was hitting some incredible shots. Uh, his his like skills around the green are second to none, really. Other than like Mickelson, really. I mean, he's he's the guy that is it always the chubby guys that are just super good at like chipping and putting and stuff or i mean i'll give phil some credit he he got himself back into shape but (laughs) patrick reed he had it like he had at least six or seven that i'm like this is guaranteed bogey you know i mean obviously i'm judging it on like most of the time when i'm in that lie it's like a double bogey but when you're watching him you're like dude there's no way he can possibly get up and down and he'd chip it to like a foot and a half or he'd even if his chip didn't go well he'd chip it to 15 and drain the 15 footer and it i mean that was a like just a big balls moment like he was i i, I do yes that's a long answer for saying yes mad respect to patrick reed for basically rubbing it back into our faces after everyone was accusing him of being a cheater yeah that was man you know what? Good, good on you, Pat. That yeah, was, good for uh, you, bro. I mean, jeez. I mean, yeah, I, I'm gonna go ahead and say that my official stance on this is karma rolled over. It's like he, uh, like he's just accruing debt. Like he, okay, he yeah, got it'll it circle there. back. Yep. Yeah, but karma, karma's like, you know, that's okay. That's okay. Just, yeah, you can. Just, yeah, you're not, you're not dead in the principle weekend. here. We're just, we're just building interest up. So look for that to come bite him in his ass later. I just. I feel like it has to happen for like anyone who's ever played golf and been pissed at the, like the one guy that's cheating, like the guy that doesn't always count the tap in as his putt. And he's like, yeah, that was a bogey. You're like, no, that's, that's a double brother. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. So Pat, you got it this weekend, but uh, I'm, I'm rooting for, I'm actively rooting for you to fail. Yes. Karma will rear its ugly head back around to him for sure. And the the last part we got to mention about this, this might take us into a whole nother tangent, but so there was a Twitter account that was basically like saying word for word, what Patrick kept saying in his interviews. And like, obviously that could just be coincidence. They were trying to like use Patrick's words against everyone online, but this, this thing called use golf facts, like use as in like use a utensil or something golf facts, all caps facts is all caps. And they were basically like throwing out stuff like Patrick Reed has only been caught cheating once. <laughs> and so like <laughs> he uh, like there's multiple players that always get caught doing stuff like this, but it, it never gets reported because they don't win. And basically just like defending Patrick Reed, like to their final, to their final breath. But I, I feel like this has to be a burner account for someone that's like in his inner circle or something. That's like, Patrick Reed's like, yo, you gotta, you gotta help me out online here, and you gotta get me some, uh, a, a little bit of backup as far as what I was saying, because there's no one in their right mind that wants to defend this guy. If you guys want a little bit of dive into Patrick Reed's character, just Google the story of him being at college and what he did there and why he transferred to Augusta, and you, you'll see exactly why everyone thinks Patrick is what what you see. Uh, I don't know if there that's if there's a better way to put that, but th- there's a reason why everyone dis- dislikes this guy. Yep, he's got that look about him that you're just like, man, this guy knows he's just like an asshole and dirtbag, and he likes it, like, and, and he enjoys yes. it. Yes, and yes. <laughs> he's got a punchable face, Pun- very punchable face, right? Like, I would love to like in, in a bar fight, 
He definitely just he, he's the guy you're going after. Face. Yes, he's the yeah. guy you're going after. If you yeah, bar fight breaks out, you catch you catch eyes with him, you're going after him. Like sometimes you'll like look away and like slide around and be like, ah, maybe not that guy. Let me let me slide on over here and take out the little guy and move my <laughs> way around. But Patrick Reed, you're going straight for the dome. And the thing with him too, I, I get the Everyone, so there was almost like pushback saying like, oh, well, if this was anybody else, it wouldn't be a big deal. Okay, how many times does there have to be controversy or allegations before you start to say, maybe he doesn't have bad luck. Maybe it's because he's a freaking cheater and he's always skirting the lines, right? To me, this is like, this is the kid that complains about every coach he's ever had, right? He's had 15 coaches and all 15 of them sucked and were idiots. It's like, or maybe you're the problem, man. Like if you keep getting accused of cheating, maybe it's because you're doing shit you shouldn't be doing. Right, right. Yeah. I, I, yeah. He he doesn't suck, but I I hope something bad happens to him. Also, I'll leave it at that. <laughs> on the like golf it. course, of course, never never be concerned about a man's health. But on the course, I hope something catastrophic goes does not go his way. Like. He's about to like hole it out and it hits the flag stick and like jumps into a bunker or something. And I don't know, just to try to uh, try to send that juju out there, you know, I like it. Yep. All right. So um, we do have the waste management open this weekend, which is we'll, we'll be short on this one. It's kind of sad that we won't be able to attend in person because it is in our hometown. And usually this is one of the best events like ever to go to in it for a day. It is just an absolute like shit show of drunken like Scottsdale people who are like dressed to the nines and like just slugging beers and drinks and having quite the time. And you're also just like somehow casually watching golf while all of it's going on. So it's, it's like one of the weirdest, but coolest atmospheres that there is in sports. And I'm a little sad that it won't be how it usually is, but I'm, uh, I'm excited for, for what's going to go on this weekend. And I'll probably uh, have a, We'll get a little more into it on on Friday's episode once the after the first round is underway. So we'll have like a little first round highlight and see. We'll we'll take our guys from there. So it's a little easier for us to uh, pick a pick a winner. You know what I mean? <laughs> is uh is Patrick Reed playing in the waste management this weekend? Do you know? Do you know? I probably should have looked that up. I don't know. If he is, screw you, Pat. I hope you yeah. suck. I, 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 I wanted to I wanted to happen to him in a bigger moment than than the waste management open, but I wouldn't That's mind if it, if he sucked out here. Could you imagine? Actually, man, that just made me think we are gonna miss out. Can you imagine if there was a, if it was a normal year and he was playing with how rowdy the waste management is? Like, oh uh, my gosh! Can you imagine if he was? He would have to withdraw. I mean, right? He would get absolutely sure. just berated. Oh, ripped just ripped <laughs> he wouldn't be able to golf honestly like they, they no, wouldn't they no. wouldn't shut up in his swing or anything like it would be it would be absolute <laughs> chaos oh man that's yeah hopefully uh yeah that's that's too bad that's, man, they, man, should, they should have a day if he is out there they should have a day where like they secretly just bring out the two hundred and fifty thousand somehow and <laughs> and just ride him just let him give it to to pat reed yes yeah, yeah okay. that's it's it's a bummer. It's not going to be the same this year. Hopefully, hopefully uh, by 2022, we are 
back to normal and uh, and rocking at the waste management. Yeah, ho- ho- by then we'll be going live at the waste management open on hole 16, so you guys can get a good experience of what that's like. So the camera might not the camera might not be getting held very straight, but that'll be okay. Uh, okay, we want to talk NFL. There was a big trade that went down here. The Rams uh, sent Jared Goff to the Detroit Lions. And they also gave away two first round picks, which won't be this year's upcoming draft or anything. Cause they've pretty much traded all their first round picks for the last, I want to say it was seven years that they haven't, they now that they won't be picking in the first round unless they trade one of their guys for a first rounder, but they won't be picking in the first round for seven straight years now. And I mean, th- this is definitely a, a zig when the other team zags kind of strategy. But in my opinion, I kind of like trading your picks for guys that are actually proven and and saying, hey, we'll, we'll sacrifice a little bit of our future, especially being a team that's this close that was one possession away from maybe beating the Packers. And they, they would have had just as good of a shot against Tampa Bay as well. I think this is a good move for them. I don't, I know like this. So the Rams jumped from they, they, I think that before the trade, they were right around like fourth or fifth best odds to, to come out of the NFC next year. And now they're tied for second with Tampa Bay. Uh, so it's, it's green Bay, Tampa Bay. And then you've got tied is the LA Rams to, as the favorites for the, for the NFC, which to me, Maybe. Yeah. I, I guess this, this kind of does make them into that like top three echelon of the, of the teams. But I, it, we talked about it a little bit last week before Stafford was traded, he's been hit more times, like as far as like hurries, pressures, sacks, and like basically number of times he's been knocked on his ass. He has more of those than any other quarterback in the league since he's been in it for sure. And in the past five years, it's only gotten worse. There's obviously I don't think he's led the league in getting sacked, but he's consistently like in the top five and he's just been getting pummeled and he's gone through some of the craziest injuries that he's actually played through. To me, this kind of ages him a little bit more than what what his age actually indicates that he's at as far as his playing career goes. Um, I know I've been talking for a long time. Heim, what do you what do you got on this trade and how do you think how do you think it works out for both of these guys? I like the trade. I'm a fan of the trade uh, for the Rams. I think you have to, you have to go all in given the, they had the number one defense points allowed, number one defense yards allowed this past year. We've been saying on this podcast since week 12 that the Rams, if they had any decent quarterback would be, would be like a legitimate Super Bowl threat. And I, I think, I mean, I think this makes them I, – I think they're not only a threat to win the NFC, I think they're a legitimate threat to win a Super Bowl next year. Yeah. Well, that, that was the only question mark they had the whole time was was the quarterback. Can Goff or Wolford get them, get them to the next level? And the answer was clearly no. Yeah, and I think for Stafford, we're going to get – personally, I'm interested to see. Matt Stafford has been a name that's come up a lot when I – when I talk about Tom Brady, a ton of people have told me, they said, Oh, well, if you put Stafford in new England, they win four or five, six super bowls too. Like he's, he's a classic example of a guy who just was in a bad situation. So 
guess we're going to see this next year, right? I mean, he's going to, he's going to work with an offensive genius. He's going to have the best defense in the league and he's got weapons. Acres is good. He's got cup. He's got woods. I think they'll probably add a, a deep threat of a burner for him to throw the deep ball to. So I, I mean, I'm, I'm just excited to see what happens. I'm happy for Matthew Stafford too, man. Like I wouldn't wish playing my whole career in Detroit on, Anybody. I wouldn't wish that on, I mean, think about the, I'm, I wouldn't I'm even wish a, it on Patrick Reed. <laughs> right. <laughs> but seriously, think about, I'm about to shit on Detroit for a second. So I'm sorry, Detroit. That's okay. They're used uh, to it. So the upside for Detroit, I guess if we're talking good things, um, Eminem has been pretty, pretty cool. I like yep. him. He's, yep. he's good at rap. The downside, I mean, think about the athletes careers that they've just ruined Barry Sanders and Calvin Johnson, like just back to back argue. I mean, arguably the greatest ever at their positions who we like li- literally never got to see play in a meaningful game. I mean, yeah, that's tough. It's crazy. So good. You know, good for Matthew Stafford getting out of there. Uh, I'm excited to see what he does for the Rams. And I like the fact that the Rams are all in. I know if this doesn't work, they're screwed moving forward. But I respect the fact that they're they're shooting their shot. Exactly. I'd much rather see a team going for it and getting into the final four, even final eight teams. You know, like that's much more respectable than a team that's just actively tanking and you knowing they're like, oh, well, they're going to be good in three or four years from now. Like, I don't give a shit about that. I want to see a team do good now, today, and th- this move helps them get there. So I, I like it for them, too. I, I mean, for the Cardinals, uh, this is definitely not good because now they're – it's going to be very hard to even go 500 in your divisional play now with the Niners, the Rams, and the Seahawks, who are all extremely good teams. And there's been a lot of talk about Watson to the Niners – I know they'll have to give up a lot for him. And this this definitely sets the bar pretty high for for being able to get Watson now. That if you're able to like get two first round picks and a third for Stafford, yeah, this th- there's going to be a serious a serious market on him now. And I mean, do you think the Texans even like <laughs> the Texans? To me, they're they're managed so bad they probably think the opposite. Now they're like, oh, now we just have to sell him for just one first round pick because. Uh, there's less quarterbacks available now, or like they, they would do the complete opposite because they're that, <laughs> that bad. But um, yeah, yeah. I, the, the, the Texans, I mean, well, it's interesting too, I, that with them, you know, their GM or whatever saying that they're not interested in trading. This seems like the most Texans probably what's going to happen is the most Texans thing of all time would be, they're going to not trade Deshaun Watson and he's just going to retire. He's going to pull a Carson Palmer and just sit out a year to get out of there. And then he's going to go sign with another team and probably win like three Super Bowls. And they will have gotten zero draft picks instead of just trading them in the, in the beginning. I mean, right. I mean, T Willie, am I, am I wrong here? Like if your franchise quarterback literally said to the media that he wants a trade and doesn't want to be here, do you want to keep him? Like, well, the longer you I, hang on to him, the, the less teams are going to start offering you, I think, because they know that he's not going to play. So if you're, if you're, I mean, if you're with that girl or you're with that guy and, and, and you know, what's going just, nowhere. Well, and they just tell you straight to their face, straight to your face that like, they don't love you and they don't want to be with you and they don't see this going anywhere long-term. I mean, at that point, are you like, are you going to try to convince them? I mean, I, I don't know. I've, I feel like that's a pretty good sign that like, maybe it's just not meant to be. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The, I mean, the Texans clearly 
don't seem to pick up on those on those clues, even though it's like <laughs> literally on the front page of ESPN every day. You'd, you'd think someone in their office would be reading some of this stuff, but I doubt it. You know, like they've got they've got their sources, and they're they're obviously not not hearing the uh, the loud rumblings of getting Watson out of Houston. I saw the I saw an awesome meme that uh that Houston uh, that um Watson shows up like all fat like in a fat suit like James Harden did. <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> that would be initial reports out of Texans camp. Deshaun Watson reported today 47 pounds over playing weight. <laughs> yeah, right. Says he wants to play as tight end now. That would be hey, I do you think Deshaun Watson has called James Harden yet to ask for ask for tips? Uh, I would. I mean, I, Harden seemed to figure it out, and he got to where he wanted to go. So, to, I mean, if there's always a, there's always a path, and if there's a, there's a pattern to how you, how guys get out of it, and it's a little bit different in the NFL, obviously, but yeah, hit up James. You know, like meet him meet him down at the club in Brooklyn and figure out how he got out of there and figure out how to get yourself to one of these teams that you would much rather play for, which is anyone else in the league right now. Does Deshaun Watson, has Deshaun Watson played his last game in a Texan bet? If you had to bet every penny you have right now, yes or no? Yes. Yes. I'm with you. Yeah. For having to bet every penny, which is not a whole ton of them, but yes, I would do it. I like it. Agree. Yeah. And all right, now we got to talk a little bit about Super Bowl. We're gonna do a fun little, a fun little like preview for next episode. But I do want to get talk about the breaking news that just happened. That now I saw it was on the on the ticker of ESPN that twenty people have been in contact with a barber uh, that was cutting the hair of Chiefs players, including Patrick Mahomes, uh, like twenty of them. Yeah, so. This this is going to get interesting. I mean, I can't even believe this story has been released, to be honest. Like, if you, if you told me that, like, Tom Brady and or Patrick Mahomes got COVID, do you think they would, like, that we would actually ever find out about that? Or you think they would just be like, no, we're, we're playing this game with those guys in COVID, no COVID? <laughs> Man, I, I don't know. I, I, I think they would <laughs> probably just wrap it up, keep it, keep it under wraps. I mean, yes. 100 percent so so here's my question so they were getting the haircuts and then while they were getting the haircuts they received news that the barber had tested positive for covid why i mean would you not wait like would you not get would you not get a negative covid test that day like before starting to literally stand a foot away from every player on the team uh one one would assume that that would be the case, but right? I mean, yeah, I don't get it. I don't get it. Seems very, uh, yeah. I, I don't know what the word for that is. That careless to to make it simple. Um, what if we find out that that Tom is behind this and he like he, he planted the barber, the barber with COVID or something, or like he he faked? It's like Deflate Gate. It's like it's like rapid Ooh. COVID test gate. Like he he planted a false positive here in the hopes of getting some of their, the chiefs players disqualified. Wow. Or just so they can't even go to practice together and like meet up and be like, Hey, here's how we're going to like attack this part of it. Or like, here's what we're going to do for this second, like possession, you know, like what the game plan is. Yeah. That's, 
obviously they've already probably got all that figured out and they're ready to play. Like they're just rearing up for it, but just them having to isolate with each other, that would be, that would be an ultimate Tom move there that if we, if we saw this come out later, that <laughs> not that we ever will, but this is, <laughs> these are great hypotheticals. Yeah. Yeah. So, and also uh, Tom has 12 days to prepare for this, which is, pretty much more than he's ever had to prepare for like any game. And if I know one thing, if Tom has extra time to like prepare and study and recover, this is going to be dangerous for the chiefs fans. Yeah, it's going to be, I I don't know, man, this, it's going to be an interesting super bowl for sure. I'm, I'm very much looking forward to watching this one. Yes. Yeah. That'll be, it's going to be fun. I'm, also, I wanted to make just a quick announcement here. Uh, this is probably something we're going to try to get on social media. But if you guys are not sure who to root for in the Super Bowl, uh, I have a bet with a coworker. His name is Hunter. And if the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are able to win the Super Bowl, Hunter will be required to panhandle on the corner of Arizona and the 202, wearing a TB12 shirt and holding a sign that says, Lost all my money betting against Brady. Any little bit helps for two hours. So I personally think that this, this, I think we can get this to Barstool T Willie. I think this could be like a legendary thing. So yeah, this uh, might, this might be how we get on the map as a podcast here. Absolutely. So we'll, we'll get you guys. If you guys want to see that happen, which personally I think will be freaking hilarious. Yep. Um, let's uh, go bucks. Yeah, baby. That, that made me, uh, just pull up my uh my my website here and double down on the bucks because i'm all in on something it, like that it. and they they also said the odds of of repeating are incredibly hard even though that this is definitely like one of the best teams of this generation that we've ever seen but i don't have the stats pulled up i probably should have if we're going to be recording this but well, uh, after diving into the stats, after a quick pause and seeing, uh, there is technically no statistics that'll show that it is like more likely that they do not repeat. But hey, it sounded good when I said it the original time, so we're gonna stick with that because there's with it. obviously there's tons of teams that that do make it back two years in a row, but. I mean, just the fact that you're going against Brady, who's been there four straight years. I, I love the Bucks in this. But we're, we're going to talk more about that next weekend. Or not next weekend. I keep saying that. I We're going to talk about it more on Friday. And we'll have the, uh, the Super Bowl special episode. We're going to do a cool little competition where we're going to go through about 20 different props. And we're going to – I mean, we, we might be able to take the same prop on certain ones. But we're going to go through. And at the end of it, we're going to – on Monday, we're going to compare our records to, to who, who picked the props the best and uh, see who you should have rode with as far as uh, earning, earning you some, some extra cash on the side. So we're going everything from the coin toss to the color of the Gatorade to first touchdown scored to will there be a safety or overtime or does a team kick an onside kick or, I mean, yeah, it, will there be a receiver that throws a touchdown? All the above. So we're gonna go through a bunch of those, and we're gonna have a fun little, fun little episode on that, and then actually get into the, to the heart and soul of it, and who we think's gonna win. I haven't seen the lines yet, but this has to be like 
the most heavily favored red Gatorade Super Bowl of all time, right? I mean, that would even even that would make sense. Yeah, yeah. There's usually always like someone's cousin's brother's mom's kid who is like on the practice squad and knows what color they're always using somehow, and that like that information somehow gets out. But I I heard this today that. Over the past couple of years, it's been clear they don't want to be uh, doused in the sticky stuff. So they basically Ooh. just douse water on them. They have like a separate like bucket for it. Um, because in the like previously, it was a color almost every single time. Yeah. And they said the past couple of years has been clear. So not like in a row or consecutively, but more than more than not, it's been it's been just the water, especially even not even in like the Super Bowl, but other big games. A lot of the times they just go straight clear now. So okay. that'll be interesting. We're going to uh, hammer all those props. I'll let you know which ones I'm taking personally. Um, I'm kind of in like in the money already. I took a future on the Chiefs, but I want the Bucks to win. So I'm going to I've got positive odds on both of them. So I'm I'm riding high right now. Let's go, baby. Yep. All right, guys. Well, we thank you for listening. We appreciate you sticking with us. Obviously, if you like this, tell a friend, share it on your Instagram. We really appreciate any any kind of mentions or tags or participations in our polls and stuff. We just uh, want to keep uh, thanking you and let us know how we're doing. We uh, ha- we wish you guys a great rest of your week, and we'll see you again on Friday.